God wants us to have a healthy, flourishing, enjoyable marriage. And so the timing of that is if we're getting so emotionally or physically involved with someone, but we're not actually working on the stuff beforehand that we need to to be a healthy person, both of us, then the timing's wrong because then we're going to have a broken relationship together because we're both so broken. We're not actually working together in a healthy way. Well, howdy, y'all. Pastor Mark here, welcoming you back to the Real Marriage Podcast. If you don't know, we got a brand new book, my wife Grace and I. Uh, It's called Real Romance, and it's on sex in the Song of Songs. And uh, hey, if you're not having sex, uh, we want to help. If you're having sex, we want you to have more and better sex. And if you're doing really great, congratulations. You're officially a unicorn. The book is now available, and you can find all the details at realromancebook.com. And on today's episode, we'll be delving into the Song of Songs, the Real Romance Marriage Book, and try to help you spice up your love life, my friend. Well, then he talks about, lastly, the uh, provision. Mm. And what he says is, here's our house, and it's made of these elements. Mm and it's provision. And there's something in a man that when he provides for his wife and his kids, Mm -hmm. there's something in a man that just sort of speaks to his dignity. And we talk a lot about grace and, you know, God is a God of grace. Men providing for their families is one way that men demonstrate grace. Um, And so what he's trying to do for her is say, I'm doing the best I can to provide for you and for our family. And, and you've uh, always done that, and I appreciate that. I've never had to worry about that. We haven't been loaded or anything, but it doesn't. That's not the point. You've provided our needs. In the early God years, we were gracious. very, very broke. Oh, we yeah. were married in college mm-hmm. as college students, yep. and then we started ministry to college students, mm-hmm. which is never <laughs> good idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we believed in Jesus, but not math apparently. <laughs> and um, but God was always gracious. But you never made me feel bad mm-hmm. for what I made or what I was able to provide. There was always a gratitude. Hard. And I was working mm-hmm. hard. And what he's saying is I'm doing the best I can to provide. I really do care for you. Mm-hmm. And I want our home to be a place that our family can dwell. Mm-hmm. And so then she speaks as well. She's really uh, passionate and flirtatious. Yes. And she concludes many of these sections, her or the friends do, talking about timing. And yeah. she says, do not arouse or awaken love until it's time or until it desires. So talk about the issue of it's not where's the line, but when's the time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said in a previous session, passion is a good thing. It just needs to be in the hearth of marriage. Um, and, and it's not wrong to have that. It's normal to have that. But timing is super important because God's timing is in marriage. And so if we, we talked about before as well, like healing we up wrong. and we did it wrong and we didn't work through our pains and our wrong thinking beforehand. And so it took us a long time to get to a place of talking through that. But God wants us to have a healthy, flourishing enjoyable marriage. And so the timing of that is if we're getting so emotionally or physically involved with someone, but we're not actually working on the stuff beforehand that we need to, to be a healthy person, both of us, then the timing's wrong because then we're going to have a broken relationship together because we're both so broken. We're not actually working together in a healthy way. And so really um, timing with the Lord, it's it's okay to keep waiting until you see 
that you're in a place that you're ready for marriage. And I think a lot of people rush into it thinking, oh, once we get married, it'll be better. These things will either go away or it'll just, we'll work on it together. And that just isn't always the case. And so we need to pay attention to the Lord's timing in that. So then she talks about, uh, I'm faint with love. I'm going to need snacks. I mean, she's, (laughs) she's planning on this taking a while of being intimate. They're not rushing it. Um, And then she said his left arm is under me and his right arm embraces me. Mm-hmm. She's talking about how she, she's literally telling him, I like it when we snuggle and you hold me like mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And for guys, just so you know, ladies, we don't know. You've got to tell us and we won't be offended. We're just happy <laughs> to know. And so maybe uh, you, you've said something before and you got it from Pastor Jimmy Evans, I think, who we love and he's one of our overseers at the church, non-sexual touch, which men have never even conceived of. So share that concept. <laughs> It's just what it says. <laughs> yeah, and again, we don't understand that, so please explain. <laughs> it's snuggling. It's holding hands. It's taking a walk together. Not driving toward an end zone just right. for the sake of? Just for the sake of time together and investing in just passion for each other that doesn't necessarily but could lead toward sex, but it doesn't have to. That's important for a woman just to be loved for who she is rather than just love for what she can do. Okay. And so um, I would say then it's helpful for the wife to literally just say, mm-hmm. here's what I want. I want to sit together. I want to snuggle together. I want to go for a walk. I want you yeah. to rub my back. I want to sit in the tub. Just just literally tell him. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes in marriage, we're frustrated with one another, but we're not articulating to one right. another. And if you have a servant's heart, it's like, well, just tell me what it is you would like. And I would like to make you happy. And I just don't know what that is. And she does that. Actually, she does that throughout the whole book. Yes. She mm-hmm. speaks first. She speaks most. She's very frank. She's very clear. Mm-hmm. She's very overt. She's very direct. She's like, do this. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Reporting for duty. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so then we get into some interesting interpretive options. She says, uh, like, uh, how do you say it again? The sa- Sachet of myrrh <laughs> resting between my breasts. Uh-huh. And uh, she's saying, you're like a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. Now, as soon as we hit any Bible verses on breasts, <laughs> the theologians Im- immediately don't know what to do. It's <laughs> like, oh, allegory, allegory, allegory. Because usually there are single guys who are, I don't know what to do. Right um, it's and so, mountains. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this is what they do. So some scholars would say that this is speaking to the Shekinah glory between the two cherubim (laughs) that stood over the ark in the temple. Wow, that is quite a stretch, just to not be honest. Just so you know, that guy was single, (laughs) and it wasn't by choice. He just didn't have a lot of options. No women wanted to sign up for a lifetime supply of that. Uh, but it is this sort of weird, it's like, it's like, oh, God's talking here and he's speaking through the husband and the wife and they're talking about their sexuality and their body. Oh, we obviously can't do that. And my point would be, if you're more conservative than God, you need to scoot over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That some people are to the right of God. Now, some people are to the left. Mm-hmm. The sex as uh, God people, they're to the left of God. Mm-hmm. They're too They're too far progressive. Those who are more conservative than God, the sex is gross people, they need to scoot to the left. Mm -hmm. And so as you hear this and you read some of this, if it bothers you, the question is why? Because it doesn't bother God. Why does something that doesn't bother God, Mm -hmm. why should it or does it bother you? Mm -hmm. Another interpretation that these two breasts are the old covenant and the new covenant or the old Testament and the new Testament. (laughs) 
So I'll just ask you, as a woman and a <laughs> theological expert, is that what it's talking about? No. <laughs> okay, well, thank you. And then the other would say that the sachet of myrrh is Christ resting between the oh, old and new covenants. Well, I don't know. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you have to think that hard about it, it's probably not what it means. <laughs> um, well, yeah, and it doesn't make it any better. It's no. not like it was awkward and now no. it's not. Yeah, exactly. It's like it was awkward. Exactly. Now it's really awkward. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so um, she is talking about her own body. Mm-hmm. And she's talking about her own body in a sexual way. Mm-hmm. So is that okay for a godly Christian, Bible-believing woman? Wife. Wife. Not just woman. Right? Yes, wife. wife. <laughs> yes. Yes, she displays that for us here. and she's like we've talked about aggressive in an appropriate way inside the bounds of marriage, showing that she loves her husband, is passionate for him, and wants to engage with him in all kinds of ways. And so, <laughs> and she's flirty. She's, yeah. she's inviting him. She's saying, I, I want your head to rest here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I assume- Women get resentful when they feel like women, that their husband isn't reading their mind, but she's clearly saying what's on her mind. So we need to do that. We need to be clear with our spouse about what we enjoy. But that can take some, for, for anyone, husband or wife, mm-hmm. that could take some significant bravery. Oh, yeah. It takes courage. Good. But again, it's if you're building this relationship together, you're building trust, you're building safety, you're building security, those things will get easier to discuss together because it's just your best friend and you enjoying each other. And that's where we would say friendship is so crucial because you can talk about things and flirt about things. And and if it's your friend, there's not this expectation of like perfect performance. Mm-hmm. It might be awkward. Something might not yeah. work. Just like, laugh. like There was a couple one time, I shouldn't say this, so I will. Um, they, uh, the, the wife, when we taught this years ago, we've taught this a few times, uh, the wife always wanted to be in a, with her husband on the coffee table. I don't know why this was her thing. And so her husband came home and she's on, she's laying on the coffee table and he, and she broke the coffee table, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and if you're not friends, that's an awkward moment. But if you're a friend, you don't want to tell that story at the ER. (laughs) Yeah. But you do want to tell it on the real romance, song of songs, Bible study curriculum. But, and and I said, what did you guys do? They said, we just laughed and laughed and laughed because if you're friends, Mm -hmm. you're going to flirt. You're going to say, I want to try this. And like, that didn't go so good. And that's okay. That's just friendship and marriage and freedom. All right. So now the moment we've all been waiting for may be the most controversial, debated, explicit section in the whole Bible. Okay. Quote someone else then. Okay. Yeah, exactly. She says, quote, um, he's like an apple tree. I like to be in his shade under him and his fruit is sweet to my taste. Mm-hmm. Just like it sounds. (laughs) Uh, Well, Joseph Dillo in his book, Intimacy Ignited. We'll quote a theologian, a trained, degreed. That's right. You know, the key is when you get in trouble, (laughs) put a footnote and blame someone else. Uh, He says, we have a faint and delicate reference to an oral genital caress. So this is 3,000 years ago. Yeah. This is in a conservative religious yep. environment. Mm-hmm. This is with Hebrew people. Mm-hmm. And what they are articulating is that God's way is the best way, that God's way is a passionate way, that God's way is an erotic way, and that marriage can be magnificent. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes what we tend to think is, you know, well, God's people, we should be sort of anti-sex because the world is so mm-hmm. pro-sex. Now, we should be pro-marriage. We That's should be right. pro 
godly, we should be pro-Bible. We should have the happiest marriages. We should have the happiest and the most free mm-hmm. uh, because um, we're operating according to God's design. And for most people, it's pretty shocking to think the Bible talks about, mm-hmm. you know, oral sex. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently it does. And it's going to talk about it again a little bit later in Song of Songs. So please come back for that <laughs> session. Um, and uh, and she, it, it's intimated. It's very poetic. And it's, um, it's very uh, frank without being crass. It's very clear without being clinical. It's very beautiful. Uh, without being pornographic, but she's going to invite him to do the similar to her, to do mm-hmm. the same to her. And so all of this is to say that um, if you're not in your marriage talking about some things that you would like to do, mm-hmm. um, you're probably not in a healthy place and you're probably not enjoying the fullness of freedom that God mm-hmm. gives. And it doesn't mean that everything that you want to do and you discuss, you have to do. Right. We'll talk about that, that there's freedom to say no. You don't need to exercise the fullness of your freedom. But it's important to have some discussions about, well, what would you like? Mm-hmm. What would you like to try? Mm-hmm. What are you interested about? Mm-hmm. And let me ask you this. Why is it sometimes that married couples that have even been married for years and they're having sex, they don't talk about sex? Well, that's like you said, it's not a healthy thing. And you're probably going to end up living two separate lives if there's no intimacy at all in your marriage and especially not free intimacy, ultimately, I mean, this doesn't always happen overnight. It takes time to build. Like we said, it takes time to trust and build safety. But if there's not any of that, it's actually a really dangerous place. It opens your marriage up for the enemy to come in and divide even more. And what this is, she's um, she's telling him things that she's looking forward to. And what this is, is this is building anticipation. This is building excitement. This is something to look forward to. And it means that their relationship will always be growing, mm-hmm. changing, yep. maturing. Uh, I always say, if you're quoting the same verses you did 20 years ago, if you're going on the same dates you did 20 years ago, if you have the exact same menu of sexual positions you did 20 years ago, you're probably stuck and it's mm-hmm. time to make some forward progress and be a little right. more creative and find your freedom in Christ. Right. Um, and so um, growing up as a pastor's daughter, would you have been a little shocked to hear that something like this is in the Old Testament? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I had no idea. <laughs> well, you're welcome. I've been studying the Bible, and I'm glad to share with you. Um, and so then um, back to this concept of En they're talking about their relationship as an oasis, a place of rest and refuge and replenishing and flourishing. And... Um, and they're talking about their home being a place of Engedi. Mm. They're talking about then going on dates or vacations to places of Engedi. Maybe just in closing, talk about how to treat home and architect it and design it in such a way that it can be a bit of Engedi. It can be a refreshing place for the couple to connect, mm-hmm. to flirt, to relax, for the woman to have non-sexual touch, for them to have sexual intimacy. Mm-hmm for home to be the place that is the beginning of En Gedi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't always done a good job of this because I'm not an interior designer <laughs> in gifting, um, but I've worked at trying to create spaces, even if the whole house isn't an En Gedi, to create spaces that you like to be in. And I think, you know, the bedroom, number one, needs to be a place that you both enjoy. It doesn't feel frantic. There's not an office on the side with all the We've work to do. We've never had work in the bedroom. We don't have a TV in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we told the kids, this is not your room. With five kids, they will take over the whole house if you, you let them. You have a lock on the door. Lock, well, yeah, okay, I didn't know we'd get into that, but there was, <laughs> there was one counseling session we did, just comes to mind, and uh, the husband was like, yeah, she's not very free, she's very timid, we don't have sex very often. And so I looked at her, I said, well, is there anything that could change that? She said, well, he needs to put a lock on the door. I was like, well, why? She said, well, we were doing some stuff and the kids walked in. Yeah, and, that'll. And she's like, ever since then, my little PTSD and paranoia. Oh, yeah. Like, totally. And so were the kids. Yeah. They're like, oh, this is how we got here. <laughs> oh, you know, so. Um, and I asked him, I said, why didn't you put a lock on the door? He said, well, I just don't feel like it's important. I was like, wow. It is. Yeah. I said, but this is a self inflicted wound. Absolutely. <laughs> and so, you know, it is telling the, for us when the kids were little, it's like, this is not your room. This is mommy and daddy's room. This is sacred. It's holy. It's, yep. it's set apart. We don't want to see, you know, Fishy crackers and GI Joes in here. Uh, you know, step on Legos. Step on Legos in the middle of the night. Um, and so we told him, "This is not your room. And if you want to come in or you need us, yeah, knock on the door. Yeah. Don't just walk in. Be respectful. Be respectful." Mm-hmm. And uh, and we did always have a lock on the door. Mm-hmm. And so uh, let's talk about then two couples that have kids and they have the family bed. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's a belief system that I'm not in, in uh, agreement with, but. So you're saying it's demonic. (laughs) (laughs) We, when we first had kids, we had a bassinet next to the bed when the babies were really little. Um, and yeah, when you're letting your kids into that place where you and your husband have opportunity for intimacy and safety and freedom, um, it really distorts us. I think for a woman too, I think it distorts her perception of sex being a gift um, because there's always something there to prohibit that. So sometimes women allow that because they do need to heal up. And so that's their kind of their wall that they use to guard from not having to engage in sexual activity because they're wounded and need to, and don't know how to experience freedom. And so, and for men, it can just be really like you're you feel put aside. Oh, you feel like you've been displaced yes. as a priority. Mm-hmm. Like the child is now the priority and I yeah. am just the provider. Yeah. But not and there's seasons when kids struggle and have nightmares and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about like their places in the bed next to you constantly for however many years. Um, it's just not, it's not a healthy, it's yeah. not healthy for the kids either, honestly. Um, and, and they need to be able to have their own space. You need to have your own space. There's too many, there's not boundaries in that that are appropriate. And so it can really lead to some confusion in all Well, Hebrew areas. says to keep the marriage bed pure. pure. It doesn't mm-hmm. talk about the family bed. Right. You know, and so to me. It's a sacred space. Our bedroom is sacred. If you have a master bathroom, it's mm-hmm. sacred. Mm-hmm. Um, if, uh, you know, if your kids do have a nightmare, mm-hmm. you pull them into Absolutely. bed. When they're little, you can put a bassinet next to the bed. You know, if they're sick or teething and mom's swaddling them and Mm -hmm. and sleeping or whatever. I mean, you know, we're not legalistic about it. But if you don't have a clear boundary between we are married Mm -hmm. and this is our married space and this Mm -hmm. is our married life and this is our married privacy, Mm -hmm. then I think what you're doing is you're really damaging your marriage. And I would go so far as to say you're also damaging your children. Mm -hmm. And you're setting for them a bad example of what marriage looks like. It's not sacred. It's not set apart. It's not private. It's Mm -hmm. like that's not what we want to communicate in any regard or way. And so in Getty at home, so for us, it's always been how do we set up our bedroom that at the end of the day, we can get a little bit of a break there. It becomes Mm -hmm. a bit of an oasis. Mm -hmm. Um, 
In addition, there are places in the home that we can sit and snuggle and watch a movie or we can sit outside. I love sitting outside. I love being outdoors. We've got a fireplace outside so we can sit out there. I just like having places that are just uh, little vignettes of in getting. Like we can go here, we can go here, we can go here. I like going for walks. I like going to certain places for dinner. I like going to certain places for date night. I like going certain places for vacations. I just like sacred space. Mm -hmm. I like place that's put together. I don't like it chaotic. I don't like it disorganized. I don't like it disheveled. (laughs) I apologize for all of this. I'm very high maintenance. I always say we're drama queen. She's a queen of all the drama. Um, but for me, space is really, really important because yeah. in a chaotic environment, I have a hard time relaxing. Mm-hmm. Are you like that or are you okay in chaos? I'm okay in chaos. <laughs> That's why I'm Which still here. Which got me through five kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there's a time and place for and space that we need to reserve for that marriage area. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to give you uh, one discussion question. As a couple, yeah. there are more in the study guide but just one discussion question. And this isn't a private conversation. So you're not involving your kids or your extended family or anybody else. And turn your phones off. Make eye contact, right? Be Mm -hmm. dialoguing. Um, Share, number one, your past favorite memories. It could be, we just went for a walk or we had a picnic Mm -hmm. or we went for a hike. It doesn't have to be a, a big thing. It was just something about that day, that weather, that place being together, that became Engetti for us. That's just a sacred time and space that I carry in my heart. And ask why each other liked that memory, because that's a window into what other things they might enjoy. And it gives you ideas for what you can plan for future. Absolutely. And then, um, and uh, sexual experiences together. She's talking about something that she's really looking forward to once they're married. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the places that you have been that were like in Getty? And what are the times that you've been sexually intimate that are your favorite memories? Mm-hmm. So rather than starting with criticism, here's what I wish yeah. we were doing. Yeah. Start with encouragement. Here's like the best day of my life um, where we did that. And that was incredible. And that yeah. was amazing. And yeah. encourage and thank one another. And yeah. then share... So it's in Getty, place you were, sexual experience, one of your favorite or some of your favorite memories. And if it gets to the point where your spouse is blushing and uncomfortable, you're probably doing good. (laughs) And then lastly, what are you looking forward to in the future? Where would you like to go and what would you like to do? Mm -hmm. Is there something, I always like, I always ask you, honey, what's in your heart? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out what your dreams are because I want to make those dreams come true. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll give that to yeah. you as your assignment. And if you have a hard time discussing those things, then talk about ways that you can help that healing process so that you can get to those conversations in the future. And stop and just pray for each mm-hmm. other. Yep. So why don't you pray for them? Okay. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the picture of Engedi. Thank you that um, ultimately heaven is an oasis for us to love and enjoy each other and be with you. But Lord, um, as we are here together as spouses, I just pray that we would desire to set up spaces um, for that sacred marriage space um, that would be enjoyable, that would feel safe. Um, Lord, just help us to be creative and not get stuck in ruts. And if we are stuck in a rut, help us to pray through that, talk through that, dream through that about what can look different and be pleasurable on the other side. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.